Hello and welcome to the Pressing Metals podcast. Uh, I'm Sam Hyde. Hello, Toby. Hello, hello. Hello. Uh, it's been a fantastic. Is the word you're looking for, Sam? It's been a fantastic weekend of football. It's been a controversial week as well in many ways. It's not the word uh, that I which, use. So with, but, uh, carry on. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, I'm just worried about saying fantastic based on a lot of the things that have happened outside of football. We're not going to talk about this. We're not going to talk about all of it because most of it's bad. There's been there's been stuff. England lost in the World Cup okay, final. Okay, yeah, all, true. all this stuff. Fantastic weekend of Premier League football. <laughs> it was a fine week of Premier League football, I think. Why just, why uh, just fine? As someone... Are we being impartial now? I... We, do we strive to be impartial on this? Because I certainly don't. We need balance, so... I should just say the opposite of what you say, and then it's balanced. Okay, so, I mean, Um, I'm calling it fantastic because both Chelsea and United lost, uh, which we'll talk about in more detail later, I'm sure. I will say that most of these games weren't on TV, uh, it felt like, so we might skip over some of them. But we're going to review every game as as we're trying to do this season. Uh, And so, on Friday, we started off with Nottingham Forest beating Sheffield United. We said last week we, you were going to give me a really, a really cutting insight on what happened in this game. Yeah, I, I essentially took an oath on week two, um, and I've got to be honest, Sam. If I was if I was up at the wall with Jon Snow, I'd have broken that oath because uh, I've not got too much cutting edge insight to give, other than Chris Wood, eighty um, ninth minute header. You know, this is football heritage. It, uh, it worked out alright for Jon Snow. Uh, Brentford beat Fulham 3-0. It's looking like Brentford are going to be... In a derby. I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's a derby. It's a big derby. Do people think it's a derby? Is it? Uh, well, Jay, my, our friend of the pod, Jay, uh, <laughs> I think it is a derby. I think they were trying to go up at the same time as well. I think I think they hate Ivan Tony, and then they both got like a big man, and it's like, who's is the better big man who did well in the championship? Um. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a uh, bit of a feisty affair. Okay. Well, Mitro has gone, and uh, Brentford seem to be doing fine without Tony. Uh, so good for them. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool beat Bournemouth three-one. Uh, yeah. Quick, quick passing comments to make on this. Never a red card. Andoni Iraola. Um. Fun, aggressive, caused us lots of problems in the first five minutes. Um, pressed well and Antoine Semenyo Sam friend of the pod uh, performing at Anfield so uh, yeah nice to see that too nice to see that too do you mean performing or do you mean scoring yeah nice within reason but nice to see that it was a good game actually I don't know if we should call him I don't know if we should call him a friend of the pod because you've not met him have you Uh, well I've been within probably 10 metres of him Okay, uh, that's enough to be friends then, I guess. Um, Brighton won 4-1 again against Wolves. Yep. Brighton, top of the table, Wolves. Uh, not, not well, bit of a turnaround from last week, really, and how people are feeling about Wolves, I think. Uh, but it was mostly in that sort of 10-minute spell uh, where they just let in all the goals, really. Um, so maybe they'll be fine. Yeah, I I I went really big on them last week, and now I'm obviously pretty nervous about going so big on them. But I think I'm gonna back it. You know, I think well, Nunes got Mateus Nunes got sent off. Not ideal. Also, there's bids from Man City for him, but they have been rejected thus far. Um, look, losing to Brighton is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, Problem is, is there's quite a lot of teams that they could lose to, and it wouldn't be something to be ashamed of. So uh, they could be in trouble. Yeah, but I'm I'm I still believe Gary O'Neill, um, and I like I like the setup. I didn't I didn't watch this game because it was three o'clock and I'm strictly legal. Um, but yeah, I don't really know. Basing it off the United game, they'll stay up. But then also maybe United are going down with them. So who knows. And by strictly legal, you mean you only watch one of the 3pm games, not all of them at the same time, illegally. Correct. Although I have in the past, uh, when I used to have three monitors, Sam, I really went for a soccer Saturday approach, uh, but it was too much for my small brain to comprehend, and I would just end up watching the Liverpool game. Or a TNT goal zone. 
Yes. Is that what it's called? Yes, with Chris Sutton. <laughs> That's me being uh, impartial. Yes, again. you're um, balancing things out. Good job you're here, hey? <laughs> uh, Spurs beat uh, Manchester United 2-0. Uh, we're going to talk about this later, aren't we? But... Uh, we will. But that's fun, isn't it? That's fun. That's exactly what you want to happen, actually. Because Spurs will no doubt have some absolutely horrific results throughout the season. But nice for them to get a few good early ones in, you know? I think it's good for the Ange era. Feels like a big, big course set of maybe. We'll, we'll see how their seasons go. But maybe, maybe, maybe they're going in different directions. I don't know. Uh, it's too early to say, obviously. Uh, Man City... Beat Newcastle United 1 0. Uh, which was quite boring, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was billed as the top as the top one, uh, the, the the big one. And it didn't really live up to it. I think uh, Newcastle didn't actually end up having too many ways to hurt um, City. And yeah, that, that, that back four from City with just tall blokes in everywhere you look uh, it's quite menacing actually um, and look the attacking talents of Haaland Alvarez Foden and nothing to be uh, nothing to totally nose up at but of, of course and, and are fantastic but um, the fact they can just play like four incredible comfortable under pressure Rolls Royce centre backs is a uh, Quite scary, I think. It's going to be an effective way of just shutting teams down next this 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 year. I still think they're a bit light because um, they want. To, well, they brought in um, Doku, your boy Joby Doku. Um, he is your boy, isn't he? What did I predict for Jeremy Doku once? Him to like win a win a World Cup thing or something. Uh, a few years ago, you were just like, oh, Jamie Doku, he's great. I remember. Yeah, I don't know where I got that from, to be honest. Maybe uh, maybe YouTube highlights or something. <laughs> but or, he was a uh, manager, who knows? He was a hipster's choice. Um, and, you know, if he's getting a big money move to City, maybe he's not so hipster. Yeah, So, but they brought him in, um, which kind of makes sense with, like, Mares out the door and, like, the need for another winger. But there is still a bit of a Gundogan-shaped hole, I'd say. Mm. And a De Bruyne injured hole. And, and their bench has been pretty light with De Bruyne out injured. Their bench is like a lot of youth players, which is fine and quite normal, but not for Man City, when normally you look at their bench and you think yeah. that could beat the um, opposition alone. Yeah, most notably Cole Palmer seems like he's going to get a bigger role than uh, he's had previously. Which is kind of to be expected, really, if he if he is as good as uh, he's sort of been hyped up to be. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? But it's still a gamble because you don't know what he's going to produce over a thirty-eight, you know, game league season. You don't know how big of a contribution he'll be able to give. And when you're coming off the back of a treble win, you know, look, let's not pretend like they haven't invested because Cavadiol in Doku now for another fifty. But all of these players, there have been players going out the door. So, you know, Laporte going, Mara's going. Um, yeah, that's just the ones off the top of my head anyway. And then Kovacic in, but Gundogan out. Like, I'm not sure they're much better, but then they did just win a treble. So do they need to be much better? It's probably the argument there. Carl Palmer got man of the match in the Community Shield final, by the way. Do you remember that from a few weeks ago? He just scored, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. what they he do scored in those games. After going off the bench, he played twenty minutes and scored. Yeah, They're like, yeah, whatever. Uh, so Villa beat Everton four nil. The Newcastle Villa game was a bit of a freak anomaly, potentially. Um, like we kind of said, where it could have just been that kind of Newcastle were the kryptonite to Villa on the day and put a lot of things in the back of the net and made things look worse for Unai Emery's Clariton Blue Army than they really are. But then on the flip side, Sean Dyche's Everton, you know, that's not really a result you associate with a Sean Dyche team. So quite interesting what's going on there with a 4-0 loss. Um, 
tricky one to judge. Tricky one to judge. Obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin being very unlucky and um, going off of an injury, but not like a Dominic Calvert-Lewin injury. It was his um, face got messed up, didn't it, by Martinez? Not deliberately, <laughs> just to say. Yeah, it was his face, wasn't it? Isn't it his, like, cheekbone? He's got, like, a fracture, it looked like, I think. Um, yeah. Which isn't, like, a muscular... You can't blame him for that. It's not, It's not like... It's not something you'd expect. No. You could account for. It's, uh, it's more bad luck. Yeah. Do you remember where I predicted Everton to finish? Mm, I think it was quite good, wasn't it? Yeah, go on. Like, 13th? I put them 10th. You put them 10th? I put them 10th. You put them 10th? Well, yeah. Look, apparently they outplayed Fulham on the opening day. Are Fulham just like really bad now though, or what? Well, I'm, I don't. I, well, I don't know, but maybe. Well, apparently they outplayed Fulham on the opening day, who <coughs> I did put to go down, by the way. And Mitro's now gone. I'd f- um, about that. But and you know, four 0 to Villa. Look, Villa are a good team, so it's kind of I don't know. It's 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 still such a small sample size. Um, it's very hard to judge at the minute. Um, but it's fascinating seeing it all unfold because you've got, yeah, well, you, you have Everton outplaying Fulham but ultimately not being able to score and losing. Uh, you have Villa getting smashed by Newcastle and then Villa coming up against Everton and just smashing Everton. So, but look, I don't think Everton and Fulham are going to be in the same realms as Newcastle and Villa come the end of the season. So it probably does all just make sense. But, um yeah, Sean Dyche, I wonder what the odds are of him to be this first one sacked and when will Lampard be when will Lampard get the call? Hey? <laughs> it's it's just what the teams do now, isn't it? They just get an old manager back, so it it feels an Everton thing as well, I guess. It's it's impossible to pre- predict relegation because whoever will be relegated will just be who brings in the wrong manager. Because every single well, not every single, but the majority of the bottom five to seven come Christmas will be considering sacking their managers if they haven't already. Um, unless it's someone who's really believing in a project. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Or if it's just not as tight as it was last year down there. But I think it would be just by the quality of the league and um, how many points there are to scrap for, if you like. Um yeah, it's going to be a real a real dogfight down there. And I'm not sure... I thought Sean Dyche's Everton would be fine based off the fact that they'd be able to defend even if they couldn't score many. But it seems like they're struggling with that as well as the scoring goals, which isn't too positive. Who do you think is going to be the first person to hire Jesse Marsh this year? I want to, I want to name... I think he could go to Luton. Let's say that. Jesse Marsh to Luton. That's quite a fascinating one, actually. I think that would be like I think it weirdly fits does it because like they're not that good Luton and Jesse Marsh isn't that popular anymore like you know he nearly what? went to Leicester you know like. where I think he could end up going but it depends if they do this badly or not West Ham because the sporting oh, yeah. director there is um, well isn't there a whole thing about like Moyes being like we need Harry Maguire and James Ward-Prowse and then the sporting director being like no, we need Mohamed Kudus and other fun Skamaka. people. And Skamaka. Yeah, exactly. And then David Moyes is like, but but I don't know how to use these. I just know how to have a low block, spring effective counters with Mikel Antonio and score from set pieces. They're not English enough. But that brings us on to our next game. Oh, I was just going to say Everton are third favourites to be relegated at the moment. Oh, are they? Okay, so uh, on the Monday we had... Arsenal winning 1-0 against Palace, um, which was a very weird game, kind of in the end dominated by the sending off to Tomiyasu. Uh, it was very similar to the Forest game as well in the fact that Arsenal were just seeing all of the ball. And Arsenal were like not quite clicking entirely in, in the attack. I don't know, it, it felt like Arsenal were always going to win felt like there was going to be another goal but you never know and, and and then the sending off happens and it kind of just throws everything 
Yeah, I, I would say I thought Palace started pretty brightly actually, and and created a few good opportunities with um, Eze, Ayu, Edward. I thought there were some good moments from them. Um, but you're right, they didn't see much of the ball or anything. But I, I feel like when they had it, they were fairly useful and they showed a bit of intent and they 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 got at Arsenal fairly well. But I I never really thought, you know this could go the other way but it did kind of well no that the longer it was kind of at nil nil i started to think you know yeah i i thought jordan ayu did did well in in running but uh yeah but it but it was all also very much you know on the break and and there are there are going to be spaces to attack if you play in a bodies behind the ball bring like let let arsenal on to you um I don't think it was totally that. I think I think a lot of that was was kind of caused by Arsenal being good, um, and I thought Palace were probably more proactive than on the face of it. You might want to give them credit for, if that, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, like I think I feel like they used the ball well when they had it, but fair enough, they weren't constantly going to hunt it down. But it would just be sort of suicide to do that. Um, I think the the game plan was pretty decent from. Hodgson and they had some good moments but ultimately yeah they were uh, the more Arsenal kind of begun to get closer and closer in terms of clicking it kind of became more and more inevitable I'm thinking of like the the nice move from Rice that then plays in in Ketia who scoops over the bar trying to try the little dink like it felt like more and more steps were being strung together by Arsenal and then it was like at that point it was like just missing the final step but you thought okay no right they've got enough ways to carve Palace open and someone will apply the finishing touch that will kind of be enough was kind of what I was feeling at the time yeah I I feel like Arsenal aren't as fluid as I would hope but I think at the moment a lot of it can be put down to the fact that Arteta's uh, having to be a, a, a little bit different in the lineup, and I think um, you've seen with the centre backs that uh, Gabriel has been dropped, which some people have been going crazy about in the in the FPL community, certainly. Uh, but I think I think that's pretty normal, and, and Gabriel will be back next week because uh, uh, Zinchenko always being inverted from the left, we're now trying to invert from the right instead, um, playing against two teams who are going to defend very deep, you still want to have that um, person to play the ball in midfield. So um, it's meant that Ben White has had to shift inside when he's been, uh, which is his favoured position, of course, like he's a very good centre-back, but he's been really effective as an outlet, as a sort of normal fullback, um, getting high on the pitch. He's actually been very creative and in settling into that role well. Um, but we've had to lose that and Zinchenko at the same time and having Partey go into the, the midfield uh, and then at the same time no Jesus to drop deep you've got Nketiah who prefers to, to run on I think Nketiah's um, Nketiah's pretty good going in space I think his decision making is, is not good and he's not someone that is able to like find a pass like like Jesus does and there are a couple of times in this game where he made the wrong decision uh, in... I think you've also been playing teams that haven't, you know, who, who aren't leaving space for him to run into as well, right? So that kind of mould of striker, he's not going to come, he's not really going to be too effective coming off that sort of deep last line of defence and kind of linking on the half turn and playing in someone who's going to run beyond him. Um, he'll, he'll do it, but just not as well and things like that and then yeah White's a very good ball carrier down that right hand side um, he's always be, I think he's always been good wherever he's been and when he's played in centre back sort of stepping out of defence and carrying the ball but from right back last year he was really doing it very effectively and then like linking up with, with Saka and being able to just kind of like progress the ball pretty quickly by carrying it and then feeding Saka to kind of attack that line because it, it also comes in onto Martinelli who like has to Normally has to be a bit wider if Jesus isn't there. And there's less rotations, and uh, Arsenal like to focus the creative play on that right section with uh, Odegaard and Saka uh, really close to each other. 
Um, but now we don't have white as sort of the overlap, like party sort of going in behind. Um, so I'm thinking maybe like the uh, the sort of link up structure is a bit uh, a bit lopsided with uh, with the injuries at the moment. So, so hopefully it, it changes once people are back and <laughs> it, it, it clicks better. Yeah, I was just going to ask on Havertz just briefly. I mean, it's obviously only been two games. He's you know got a sort of different role. Well, it's just a new role. I'm not saying it's new to what he did at Chelsea, but it's just a new team and a new role within that new team. More so than being like, oh, he's not playing as a striker now or anything, you know. Um, but what do you think of him in that sort of left cent the, the sort of left eight, if you like, the left centre midfield, left eight, left ten, whatever we want to call it. Um, what have you thought of him in the last two games? Do you think he's been effective? Do you think he's been kind of everything there but not scored? Or do you think he's kind of been a bit of a passenger? I, d- I don't know. What do you? I'm not saying we start hammering the guy after two games at a new club, but what do you... Have you have you found his performances? Yeah, there's been a lot of hammering from people who are like Chelsea fans or, uh, I don't know, assuming United fans or, or Opportunistic like rival fans. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which is obviously very soon, but also it's it's a bit confusing because I think Harvard's was actually pretty good this game, and uh, um, Arsenal's mid- midfield was actually um, different in this Palace game as it has been before. Yes, I think it was more of a three-two um, in the first game, and then this game's I think he was pushed on a bit higher, no. But then was Havertz going and joining Enketia, or was Havertz just pulling wider? I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. So, so what, what happened in this game was we we moved Rice into a, a, more of an eight, and Partey moving in more behind him, even though he was like inverting from the right. It, it's quite weird, isn't it? But Havertz was uh, not really an eight; he was more a free roll, and um, it, it was kind of a little bit of shades of this kind of shadow striker stuff that I think he's done before. Uh, and I thought he was really good. Uh, it, obviously, people will like to bring up Harvitz's, um off-the-ball stuff, which he was actually really good at in terms of his energy. Like His stats for winning duels have been really good in these two games. He's been most duels won in, in both the matches. But also I thought he was really good on the ball in this as well. As someone who um, really intelligently finds the space where he can make... Uh, receive the ball and then make a short pass straight away and uh, it was really good for Arsenal's tempo and I think in Arsenal's best moments against Palace um, it it was because of that use of small space to try and break them down which is I I think that's what Harvest could be best at I think people are I don't know going to look for goals and that and he had a shot which wasn't actually that far away getting a nice position I, th- I think there is like a lot of hope for it and if you if you do try and watch him instead of just letting the game sort of wash wash into you <laughs> is that the saying instead of just like absorbing the game as a whole and you're actually like right what is Harvard's doing it, he's he's doing more than it, it might seem I think he's always been a an intelligent player reading space and interpreting space but we're in the modern era of of numbers football, isn't it? Really, and that's how players get compared and things. So um, I don't know. I think it makes sense that he's been hammered. Um, <laughs> it's two games. I'm not though. saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's fair at all. I'm I'm just saying it makes sense because of the record he had at Chelsea, and then the amount of money that Arsenal signed him for, and then uh, this. I, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I think you're you're probably right in the fact that he's had you know good games or whatever and and not been like out of place or anything, but you spend a lot of money on him and he doesn't he doesn't come into you know you're not you're not flying. Let's be honest, you're not playing badly at all and you're doing absolutely nothing wrong and you've won both games. But off the back of last season, um, and it's I don't know. I guess it's totally normal. Um, but the facts are you're not flying and he's just come in. Um, so I think it's quite easy to criticise. It's quite easy to look at him and basically hammer him. I'm not saying it's justified, but I'm just saying you can. I can understand why. Um, and plus it's rival fans and tribalism anyway. Any opportunity they would. I, I, I did kind of expect it though, because 
it, it is so different to last season who, who we've got like with bringing in Rice and, and Harvest um, I think that there's going to be a little bit of time for it to just and I, I think it will from what I've seen last game get everyone fit get Jesus in there and because you got to remember that Jesus got injured like right before the start of the season as well so yeah. all, all the preparation with, with him is uh, is not being used yet yeah, that's true. That's very true. And that's going to have big implications on the rest of the attack. Well, I was going to say, we've jumped around a little bit, but the intention was to kind of go through each result just briefly, where we had a bit more to say about certain teams we would. But we wanted to cycle back to uh, Spurs United. Man- Manchester United. Oh, yes. Speaking of expensive midfielders from Chelsea that haven't had any goals or assists yet... Uh, Mason Mount is apparently injured for United's next game. Yes, uh, United have been spending spending money as as always. Um, not as much as some teams, but it's United, isn't it? Um, how is this new kind of Eric Ten Hag version of United working now that he's had sort of a proper a proper time at the club? So, uh, <clears throat> a few things. Right, a few interesting things, yeah. Uh, look, ultimately, I think he could be sat before Christmas. I'm going to just open with that. Do you th- he could, or he could, or he will? I think he. W- I think he will. What do you think? Everyone could be. Christmas is soon. If he keeps up like this, though, I, I don't see where. Uh, right now, it really feels like all of it. It feels like United's season is kind of resting on Hodgland or Hoyland. <laughs> yeah, they call it Hodgland. That's horrible. Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodge. Roy Hodgland. Roy Hodgland. All right. Sorry, I think it's all. It, and I don't think Manchester United Football Club, as an institution, as a brand, should be two games into the season and looking around and thinking we need this guy to do well because that will allow Rashford to do well. But I think there's a lot of problems in this team. I think Casemiro is a bit of a huge issue now, and you look at. If you just compare and contrast Real Madrid's business with Manchester United's business, you see Manchester United pick up Casemiro towards the end of his career, and you think, oh, that could be a good a good little sign, and that could be a bit of a coup, you know? And then you break it down, and, and you know, last season he wasn't bad. He had he had big moments, to be fair, that you probably wouldn't expect for him in a goal-scoring perspective. He had, he had big moments in red cards, which you probably would expect for him, but just not to that value. Or not to that amount. Um, but this season it does feel like there were a lot of moments, especially against Wolves, where he is just an island in the middle of the sea and there is a lot of space around him for, for players to just run at and just run through and, and it's beyond his control. And to be honest, it was probably happening last season but not noticed as much cause, and, and it could link, be, be linked with why he was getting so many bookings and red cards because he was probably just exposed. Um, so look, that's that's question mark number one. I think is the midfield balance on paper. Casemiro, Mount, Bruno sounds great, and it could still come good. But what we're looking at is really struggling to have much control in in games. Um, I mean, we're talking about Mason Mount completing like I think it was something like fourteen passes before he came off at, in a home game. Um, no, sorry, that was that was against Spurs, where it wouldn't have been at home, away away at Spurs. But as a, for a Manchester United midfielder, you're not getting on the ball much there. You've got Casemiro that we spoke about being like sort of have the legs gone and is he just being left in loads of space, and then Bruno who's going to play very direct, but and and play that killer pass often. But I don't think that's very good for sustaining possession and and building up pressure to then break a team down. So there's some question marks in midfield. Rashford leading the line as a striker just isn't involved enough and and I just don't think he offers you really anything to build up around. I think he's great in the sort of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer days of kind of like being defensively solid, being rigid and hitting teams on the break but I've got question marks about him down the middle. Um, So look, if Hoyland comes in and Rashford moves out to the left, I think that could be a nice little blend because you've got maybe a a striker that can link play nicely and and a winger who's going to be direct and run beyond him 
um, when the striker is a big physical presence attracting a lot of attention from the centre-backs and maybe dropping in, and then you've got that ball in behind for Rashford. But as it is at the moment, I don't know what's helping Rashford really attack spaces in behind, and it doesn't seem like he wants to come short. So some question marks there, but they can be sorted out by their new signing up front. And then Anthony, I don't really see what he offers, to be honest, for the amount of money they've paid for him. I think he shows a decent aptitude off the ball and sort of counter-pressing and winning the ball back high at times, but not really enough to be to make up for as poor as he has been on the ball. And it's a bit counterproductive when he has, if he does just win it high and then makes the wrong decision, has a poor weight of pass, etc, etc, etc. So that's some of where I'm at with Manchester United. I, I'm... I think Ten Hag could be gone by Christmas. I really do. If this carries on, I don't know how long... Uh, when Do we know when Hoyland could maybe start at all? I think he, he was going to be out for like the first month or something. Um, I think, yeah, maybe middle of September. Right. Okay. I, I just... I don't think it's a position you want to be in where you're a big institution like Manchester... This is Manchester United. Where you're Manchester United and you're relying so much on a big money move from a of 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 a kid you know i think there's a lot going wrong f- to bring a a youngster in who's going to kind of save a lot of things who needs to save a lot of things yes well they've already sort of tried that with Garnacho, it seems as well like he's um been in the starting 11 and offered these last nothing. few games and, and yeah Another one that is like I remember actually last season he got brought on as a sub and the commentator said, "And here's someone who needs no introduction." And I'm like, I've never seen this man before in my life. But apparently, like to United fans, he's sort of the biggest new thing. Uh, he's done all right from the bench a couple of times, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what I think, happens with I him. Think having, uh, coming off the bench with explosive pace and being direct. And also being a player that probably other teams aren't really, I'm not going to say not aware of with the scouting departments these days, but just like not really having a big data set on. You know, it's probably quite easy being an explosive teenager with nothing to lose with blistering pace and coming on in the 80th minute and just being given the ball and saying, go and run at that absolutely shattered fullback. Um, That's not to take away from what he's done. You know, you've still got to go and, and do what he did off the bench. But in terms of, you know, here you go, son, start a game. Um, and and it's not like you could be carried by the rest of the front line. I think that's the problem as well, is there's too many passengers in a team where they can't afford to have passengers. Because you, Anthony could look okay, right? If the rest of the attack's clicking, he could probably look okay. But with Rashford down the middle and a and an eighteen or nineteen year old on the other wing, you you can't just be okay, especially for seventy five mil. Um, and, and when you look at their midfield options, Mount Bruno, Casemiro, Mount's now injured, so you're looking at Eriksson, who did well in in spells last season for United, but I don't think you'd really be planning on going into the new season with him starting. Um, and then you're looking at kind of McTominay. And other than that, it's not a great deal. Fred's gone. Um, so, yeah, and that's not even mentioning the defence. And we're in 2023 and Luke Shaw and Aaron Wambasaka are starting together at fullback. And, yeah, look, I think Luke Shaw has shown moments in his career where he's looked like he's really going to turn it around. And that's, and that's great. But oh, I'm not sure he's at the, the quality of other starting left backs in the in in the end of the division that that United want to challenge, you know. Um Wambasaka, fantastic tackler, but if you're such a dominant team, do you want a fullback whose main attribute is tackling and defending well? Maybe if if you're looking at what Pep's done. But I think Pep's got people like Nathan Ake and Akanji and, and Carl Walker who are all very good defensively, but it doesn't take away from anything they've got on the ball and um, the way they can build up. So, 
it'll be very interesting to see how United do this season. Um, I think everyone assumed that they would just build on the kind of impressive start Ten Hag had last season, but clearly it's not going to be as smooth as we all, all thought. Not to say that they can't go and qualify for the Champions League or anything ridiculous. It's the second... We're going into the third week of the season. It can all be fine. The transfer window's still open. It can all be fine. But I think I'm just a bit surprised at how they've not kicked on, maybe, more than anything. But throughout all of that, we didn't mention Spurs, Big Angers, Mighty Spurs once, um, who look fun. Even Pesuma looks fantastic, is the big thing I would say. Yeah, it's weird how he kind of went missing for a season, um, mostly under Conte. Because uh, he, he looked really good at Brighton, obviously, and then uh, for whatever reason, he just wasn't... You'd forget he was at Tottenham nearly. Like, What's, uh, what's changed? Do you know? Um, I think they're just allowed to defend aggressively. I think when they lose the ball, the first instinct isn't to retreat into a 5-3-2 mid-block or low block and make sure that you're well set up to kind of be impenetrable. And with that just comes boring football um, because you're not looking to win the ball back high or early. And when you do go and win the ball back high and early and you've got players like um, Son, Kulisevsky, um this SAR's been given a, a big chance, Basuma, like they, they look like they can control a football game by being in possession. Um, and they, they look... They look happy to go and be aggressive in their defending and and I think Ange is looking to rewire them into a team that can have that first in- instinct of we, we've lost it let's try and win it back high and um, Son in his interview after the game was saying look wherever you defend you have to work hard but I think if you're an attacker yeah okay pressing pressing high can be very um exhausting as a forward player because whereas previously you've just got to get back into a shape and kind of screen in front of like a, a midfield five and, and you're pretty safe as long as you get into your shape you know you're, you're going and hunting down the ball from the front and you're setting the tone and this is just off the back of you expending energy to go and attack but I think it's quite motivating in the sense that you know that if you win it here you're already on the edge of the other team's box and they're pretty disorganised because they've just had possession. So um, I think that's kind of changed a lot. Um, but ultimately, the, the, they've not spent, they've not brought in a huge amount of players. They've not, you know, thing. If if Ange has a successful season, and by successful, I'd say what probably finishing the top six, I'd say is success for Spurs next this year. If if they do that, I think you've kind of got to give him his his credit where it's due. Not because he will have done it. Not only changing the style and changing the mindset of how to approach a game of football, but also he would have done it with with players that were either in Conte's team or weren't even included in Conte's team, bar maybe James Madison, who you've brought in. Um, they did take a few risks in the first half against United. So he so he likes to invert his fullbacks, okay? But he doesn't really invert his fullbacks. Um, f- from what I gathered, right? He inverts his fullbacks to be able to push the eights on. Pardon me. He inverts his fullbacks to go and push the eights on, okay? He can kind of occupy all of those zones across the pitch because you've got central striker two eights in the in the um, half spaces and you've got wide players outside in Solin Kulisevsky, okay? And with that, you've got a lot more presence to go and win the ball back. But you've got your inverting fullbacks going in and just and they just make a little midfield three with Basuma. So it's kind of like a, a, a two, three, five. Um, and I think that's a pretty decent shape in terms of numbers in the opposition's half to go and hunt the ball down and, and react quickly in the counter press to win the ball. Okay, but it means that you are left with someone like Pedro Porro picking the ball up in midfield, who is very right-footed and essentially a wing-back, trying to take it on the half turn and break lines. 
and he got caught a couple of times. Yes, I saw Gary Neville talking about uh, this, um, saying about how if you're a fullback like he he was, uh, if you're picking up in the middle of the pitch, you're going to have your back to goal a lot of the time. And that's sort of a pretty scary situation to be in when you've got people running at you. Have you seen like those uh, like head cam footages from pre-season of like Yuri Tina Wins? It's like you just have absolutely no time at all. So if you're not used to it, then it... Uh, yeah, can be a bit of a risk, and I think we've seen that with Trent as well in in many times. You know, ultimately, as you can be as talented as you can be, incredibly talented, but ultimately, if you're used to picking the ball up in a wide defensive position, which means you have the whole pitch in front of you, but also your body shape is turned inwards because there's there's a line, and you know there's the touch line to your right. You can see everything in that kind of like. 90 degree angle field of vision you know on like games where it's like how much can per- someone see and it's like that cone that comes out yeah it's called FOV yes field of vision there we go so you've got that but but it doesn't matter that you can't see anything else because that's all you need to see from that from that corner you're in so it is just completely different and um, yeah Gary Neville's big big issue with it was like you're doing it in build up in your own half in a central area under pressure because the team's trying to squeeze you and win the ball back. And I completely get it. Like, you could see that Pedro Porro couldn't really do that. But that's also partly why you've got to give credit to Ange in the sense that Postacoglu is taking players that kind of don't fit his role, is shoehorning them into them, and is still then going and beating United, who supposedly are in, in this Ten Hag era and... I don't know, we're like the third best team in the country last year or whatever. So I don't know who that reflects more poorly on. Um, Ange kind of being a bit of a madman in his strategy. Or Ten Hag not being able to recognise that actually you could completely exploit this with a with a pressing trigger. And I'm sure he did realise, but not then being able to execute that as a tactician. Um, I think that's pretty shameful. It was shameful. Shameful. Yeah. They're not they're not the best pressing side really, are they? No, but that's what we were kind of promised, and he has had a good year there. Like I don't think they're and, and he's, he, he's had a good year there, he spent a lot of money. If they're not, then why aren't they? That's true. I like how Ange calls everyone mate, by the way, as well. Yeah. That's and I like that he's so Australian with the well look. No, what is it? What do Australians say? I think I might start bringing it in. Look, Sam, at the end of the day, Anthony for 75 million. It's It's ruined the market. It's ruined... I think... Yeah, I don't know if I can leave that in, actually. What, me calling him... Yeah, I don't know. That might might be one of those words I might not be able to use. I don't know. Yeah, beep, beep it out if you want. So the last game we're going to talk about was West Ham beating Chelsea three one in the most hilarious and uh, meme worthy game of the week. Caicedo got his move to Chelsea, made his debut off the bench, concedes a penalty. Enzo Fernandez uh, also missed a penalty, and uh, Agard got sent off, didn't he? In the middle of those two things happening, it was it was crazy, and I I did I did watch some of this. Um, quite a sad looking potch at some points um, I thoroughly enjoyed I don't know. it well they've spent a lot of money and they've not they didn't beat West Ham so what, how does that happen everything what, about this game was just this game was just sensational really to be honest you couldn't you know the script writers have done it again because you've got James Ward-Prowse coming in you've got a you've got a set piece goal from him whipping in a beautiful cro- uh, corner um, well, cross from a corner, I suppose. Um, you've got Antonio scoring a great goal as well, to be honest. Um, and yeah, Chelsea, who, I mean, again, looked good. They they looked good. Uh, Sterling looked electric. I was really impressed with Sterling. Um, but also, I don't know how... Sterling looked electric, but at the end of the day, end products from that whole front line needs to be there. Well, the um the thing with Sterling was that most of his, well, that pretty much all his touches were not in the box. It was like places that were 
you're not going to score from. So he's relying on being able to find a pass to someone. And I don't know if the the synergy is there yet. Um, well, there, there were multiple times. Uh, he looked like really sharp because there were multiple times where he just picked it up from a standing start, s- stood a player up and just burst past them and just completely did them and then would look for a cutback or would look for that, that pass, as you said, that link up. And yeah, I think Nicholas Jackson looks fun. He looks like a handful. He looks like he's going to cause defenders um, problems. But currently there's not a huge amount of evidence to show that he'll cause goalkeepers a huge amount of problems. Um, is he Timo Werner again? Is that what you're saying? No, he's not. He's not. That's harsh. And I think he's just young and it's just a, it's just a tough league to come to and adapt to as a striker. You know, you've got a lot to do and the goalkeepers are very good. Um, but... You know, you've got a lot to do, I mean, outside of the box in terms of off the ball and then when you have the ball linking up, bringing people into play and then also not forgetting that little detail of putting the ball in the back of the net. But, um, yeah, it was a great game. When you have a slow start and it just keeps dragging on and the slow start just keeps staying slow and, and you know, I think with the with last season... Look, I think Podge has got the squad and he's got the know-how and he's got the time, more importantly, in between games without other competitions to be able to sort Chelsea out. And they've also shown that they're enough of a decent outfit, I think, in these games to still be a, a sort of big threat to top four. I'm not going to start disregarding them after two games, especially with the problems they caused us. But you do have to sort of look at the games and think, right, they 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 got dominated by us and then had their own patches of dominance but all of that we we didn't have a defensive midfielder in, in any of that and they probably should have torn us apart far more than they did and then you look at how they struggled against this West Ham team and um yeah it's definitely it's certainly not Poch coming in and everything's Todd Bowley's skipping around his his box at Stamford Bridge and everything's fine I think we're uh, we're still pretty far from that from <laughs> so, from Todd Bowley skipping yeah I think he said skipping around in his boxes for some reason um, I don't believe he he dresses like that in his Stamford Bridge box, but I don't know. I can neither confirm nor deny. You don't know what underwear Todd Bowley wears? No, not on a match day, no. Not on any day, but not on a match day either. I spoke about West Ham and uh, in our predictions, and I said that James Ward-Prowse isn't like someone who's going to turn the team around. Um... But maybe I forgot that like set pieces are actually like a thing. Um, he got two assists in this game, and uh, do you think West Ham will be fine? Basically, because I didn't at all. He didn't, but I did, and I think they will be fine. They're looking at Kudus as well. They've had an offer, I think, accepted, um, which doesn't feel like a David Moyes signing. So that one might not actually work because Moyes just might not really. Utilise play him brilliantly. at all, <laughs> but I think Kudus has shown enough in enough different positions to actually probably be fine. I think, I think he could come in and and do well, you know. And, and look, even if they just continued playing on the break, he's got lightning pace, and and I'm sure he can do that. Um, I think he can do a lot more than that, and you might not see everything else that he can do. But if you are just kind of I don't know, linking up with Antonio and 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 sort of Bowen and being direct. I think he's definitely going to be a very good option. Um, it might be a bit shame, a bit of a shame for him because he can maybe do more than what he'll be asked to do. Um, but you know what? I think that it seems like they've spent the money fairly wisely, actually, that they got for Rice. You're looking at Edson Alvarez and James Ward-Prowse together. I think that kind of is enough to make up for a Rice. They're not going to get one player in who does what Rice does, but. They're going to have assists from Ward-Prowse. I think Alvarez will give them some solidity and Kudus gives them some lightning pace in, in transition and, and that can, you know, combine well with, with how Moyes might have them playing anyway. It's, it's not it's not my cup of tea, um, but okay. But it doesn't have to be, Sam. And look, that's no, all true. until they sack Moyes and get Jesse Marsh in. Oh yes, of course. And then things will really go wrong. Uh, I will look forward to seeing who Jesse Mars joins because I'm convinced now that he's coming back. He'll definitely come back, I think. No one's ever really gone, are they? Because um, if Sam Allardyce can come back, then uh, 
So can Jesse Marsh, I think. Who's I don't know. I'm not I'm not saying anything. Uh you're gonna <laughs> throw in an opinion there, hey? You're gonna say Jesse well, Marsh was, was worse like... than Sam Allardyce? No, no, that's not what I was gonna say at all. Hey. You're gonna say who's American? <laughs> No, I was going to talk about his Red Bull stuff being better than the Sam Allardyce school of oh, right. school of knowledge. I see, I see. Uh, but I was also reading about David Washington. I was like, should we talk about David Washington moving to Chelsea? I don't know anything uh, about David A. Washington. <laughs> David Washington. Did you did you see this story? I've seen he's been signed for like 17 mil. Uh, or Chelsea playing on, on Friday against Luton, which... Uh, it does absolutely honk of a 1-0 Luton win though, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Uh, it just—it's written in the stars a little bit, Sam. That'd be bad for my Jesse Marsh to Luton uh, hype train. Well, okay. even if they beat Chelsea, I'm sure there's plenty of other games for them to lose. That's true. That's good actually, because I realised I've hyped up the Luton game, but I'm not going to be here next week for the podcast because I will be in other countries. Yes. So we will be back in the future, and. Maybe someone will be sacked already, and that would be really exciting. That would be nice. Maybe there will be more refereeing decisions that have gone wrong, like in the United Spurs game that we didn't mention. And also, I'd like Maybe. to I'd like to throw out quickly, because I didn't get to speak enough. This was the big fixture, Sam. Liverpool against my, uh, my, my Bournemouth tip, you know? But all I'll say is, Andoni Iraola and Bournemouth, I think they're going to be good, you know? I think they're going to cause a lot of teams problems. I was, I'm trying to decide if I put Semenyo in my starting 11 in FPL this week. Okay, thank you, Toby. Uh, I'll see you next time. Thank you very Goodbye. much.